Hey, hey, hey. hey. Welcome back to the TFL Podcast. You're here with myself, Rowan. Yes. And our good friend, Arch. How are you, mate? I'm doing well. How are you? It's good to be here. I mean, we're not in person, but, you know, we're, we're I can see you. I can okay. still see you. That's important. And uh, there's a special reason yes. why we are not together to, tonight. We yes. are recording a bit later than we usually would, and that's because we have a very special guest coming on the show we do. this evening, and that is Chris Robin from Team Rise or Fall. Yes. At Detroit Beastie. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's a great uh, guy to follow. He's going to be talking to us about some DFS 101, mm. uh, specifically around GPPs. Yep. So really looking forward to having him on the show a little bit later. Uh, we'll get through some news and stuff like that first, though. Uh, guys, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. We have a Patreon yes. at the TFL Podcast and a website, thetflpodcast.com. Uh, Rowan's ramblings will be out probably a day or two later, yes. thanks to recording on a, on a different night than usual. <laughs> Yeah. But that's okay. Uh, five star reviews are also much appreciated. I already on got Podcasts. a couple. That two of you in the running for new stubby holders, uh, Rowan, and projections. Yes, that's it. Yeah, talk us through the competition there, Arch. Well, all you need to do is go on to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review, and we'll put you in the running for brand new TFL podcast stubby holders. You can even oh, you, oh this isn't a live stream. Uh, it's just you can see my video, but I, they're in my background here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Too many to give away. So uh, high likelihood if you enter, you know, we're going to give a few away. So give us a five-star review, go in the running, and not only that, we'll give you a copy of our projections as well uh, heading into your drafts. Sounds good. Mm. You, you don't want to miss out on a, no, uh, no. a TFL podcast stubby holder. That no, no, is no. for sure. Too good. A koozie for those in the States. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything interesting been happening with you, Arch? been enjoying preseason? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think we've, we're st- a few things are starting to come into focus now, isn't it? Now, like after the second week sort of was a bit more of a, that dress rehearsal that the old preseason week three has been. So we're getting to see a little bit more of the first team. Um, probably they've gone ice now for the third game, you'd think now, don't you think, Rowan? Yeah, I think so. I think we're not going to see too many starters. I think, yep. especially after we saw the New Orleans Jacksonville game, and mm. we kind of saw there that uh, James Winston looked real good. <laughs> Nine from ten passes. Oh, I know, for a couple of touchdowns to Marquez Callaway. Mind How's you. this, Rob? I, a- I was listening to Good Morning, well, watching Good Morning Football uh, on the NFL Network, and that fifty odd yard pass to to Callaway. Get this, yeah, in. Regular season and pre-seasons is the longest completed pass in New Orleans for five years. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? Man, Drew Brees was just chucking him. <laughs> Old noodle so up. short. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, Jameis Winston's going to open up the offense yeah. a lot, I think. So Obviously, I'm when excited. the pressure's on, that's when we're going to see uh, a little bit more of the true Jameis. But who knows? Maybe uh, change of scenery, different coaching. Maybe he's addressed a few issues. That's uh, right. Don't forget he had that last sick eye in, uh, oh, surgery yes. as well. So, yeah. uh you know, he's a starter you know, now, isn't he? I've changed my projections from Hill to, to Winston. Uh, he's, he's my so starter. Now. I think a lot of people are changing their projections yep. uh, with Jameis now to be the starter as well. So Taysom Hill will still get his work for sure, just like he did. But if Jameis Winston can put up numbers and get this ball moving yep. and find the end zone, then you're not going to really bench him at all. I think he's no. he's looking forward to a new lease of life, I think, yep. old Jameis. So. Uh, Unfortunately, he's got a him as band well. of no-name receivers. Except for Kamara, and that's about it, <laughs> if you call him a receiver. Yeah. So, yeah, look, that's it. But, hey, Sleeper Valley, we're, mm. we're all about that here at the TFL Podcast. So look out for those Marquez Callaway shares of yours. That's it. Anyway, though, let's get into some other news. News and Notes. All right, we're just on uh, old NBCSportsEdge.com and we're going to jump through some of the old headlines yes. down the track here. Uh, Noah Fant's dealing with a bit of a leg issue, apparently. He uh, missed a portion of uh, practice and uh, had a, got a sleeve in the ladders on the uh, left leg there. Fangio doesn't believe it to be serious. Noah Fant, he's, he's in line to be a decent target uh, hog on, on the old Broncos. you read much into this one, Arch, or are you kind of just going to let it fly? Uh, no, I'm not too worried at this stage. I'll just keep an eye on things. Yeah. 
for sure. As you said, James Winston, he looks to be the leader in the clubhouse. It's exciting. Daryl Henderson, though, we saw him. He had a bit of an issue with his thumb, mm. but he took part in some 11-on-11 drills and a non-contact jersey. So bring on I the don't funk. think we- Bring on the oh, funk. <laughs> I think fantasy, fo- uh, fo- fantasy football podcast everywhere would love the funk to be absolutely. a part of this. But and this Maryland fan absolutely can- does want a bit of funk action. Yeah, that's right. But Daryl Henderson, I don't think he can write him off yet. I think he's mm. still going to be a solid RB2 for people this year. Uh, Lynn Bowden's gone on to uh, the IR and no one cares about that, but people do care about Travis Etienne. Yes. Ending up with on the IR with a Liz Frank injury. Mm. His season has it's ended. Done. He's not going to play this year. That's, no. that's, that's huge. First round rookie draft pick uh, for many uh, dynasty yeah. players. What just, are you looking to do if you're an ETN manager? Uh, I mean, it just depends on what your uh, your team makeup is. Like, if you're planning, if you were a contender, I guess you try to move him for someone who's not contending. Maybe thinking that they look, you know, can handle having him off on IR for a year and then get him next year. Yeah, it's just oh, I just feel bad for the bloke just before he get, can even get started. Bad enough he got drafted the Jacksonville Jaguars, but now he's going to have to deal with this. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel, feel a bit bad. Uh, James Robinson, again. Oh, look, people <laughs> are finding him as values they were anyway, like the 10th round somewhere. So, so you've so got the, the James news, Robinson. I think I was in the seventh round of the Fantasy Football Down Under Bowl, and it was my pick oh, when yeah. uh, ETN got put on IR. So James uh, straight away. So I just I thought I might as well add him. <laughs> it's a pretty nice value <laughs> in the seventh round. But that's uh, uh, pretty good, isn't but it? Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of uh, Robinson believers and truthers, I think, just getting a bit out of jail free card here. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, Look, what, I don't know. I think people were there was some there's still talk around him commanding goal line work, and I think there's there was still value yeah. at James Robinson in the seventh to tenth rounds in, in fantasy drafts. So I, I don't mind it. I don't think people are getting too lucky per se, but I they're definitely they are. I think it's they getting are. better than it is. He's like now, you know, he's got potential to be an RB one, like he was last year, if if the uh, if the usage is there. Yeah, Adam Troutman's avoided serious injury. We saw him go down. He got carted off, but he's uh he is all good. Uh, so sleeper alert. At that breaking oh, sleeper news. Alert. Hello, Patriots I'm are trading. Sony Michelle to the Rams for two draft picks. Oh, That's big. no. That's big. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Let's talk about wow. this. Stuff the injury news. Yeah. So you got to add, you got, you got Sony Michelle going to the Rams. Okay. Sony Michelle going to the Rams. Hot, hot takes from the TFL boys here. I think he slots in and Jake Funk and Xavier Jones are done. Oh, I don't yeah, think there's done. any worth of them. Um, You've got. You've got insurance for Daryl Henderson if he doesn't get up. I think it's still the Henderson show, right? He, he will still be ahead. I agree. Yes. Michelle, let's not think Michelle's so that explosive. He hasn't looked that great still. So, um, But it's depth, isn't it? So, It is depth. And uh, it's so, just further confidence for Ramondre Stevenson out of New, New England, isn't it? They- oh, I love that. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> so. Yeah, snagged Ramondre in in my uh, rookie draft for, yes, um, for our main dynasty league, and very happy now. That's for sure. You got Ramondre playing the real the backup to Damian Harris mm. and James White. We don't know what he's really going to do this year. He's getting getting on, and Cam Newton's you know not really going to throw the ball down to him too much like he didn't last year. But this is this is faith in the Patriots to say Damian Harris, yep. sure, he's the number one. But they love a committee. Yes, they do. Ramondre is going to see time. He'll see some time. And hasn't he earned it? Yeah. No, he's, he he's has. earned it. Absolutely. He's, he's probably been the number one rookie uh, running back in preseason. Maybe Najee like shown a bit more as well, but obviously he's just a better back. But um, yeah. Ramondre out of nowhere has just obviously given the opportunity. Uh, a lot of, you know, the top line running backs aren't getting the Thomas. They're trying to not let him get hurt. Um, but he has earned playing time. And, uh, you know, James White will be catching all the passes. Um, but, yep. um, yeah, sprinkle a bit of Ramondre with Damien Harris and they've got themselves a nice tidy little committee. I think you're going to see Stevenson really 
um, steal a few goal line mm. carries here from Harris. I really hope Cam Newton's not the quarterback then. The, the, <laughs> otherwise, Harris isn't getting yeah. nothing. <laughs> no, that's it's true. I think one of the things, the telling things for me was watching their week two preseason game. They were at the goal line. Mm. Michelle was there and they tried Michelle from the from the three yard line, couldn't get anything, and Ramondre comes in the next snap and bang, touchdown for Ramondre. I think they were trying some things out there. Maybe they saw what they wanted to see. So if you're a Ramondre Stevenson owner, then well done. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the buy now window, if it wasn't shut already, it is well and truly shut now. You cannot get him uh, really. Price has gone no. up. That's it. So he, he's just an injury away to a very, very relevant yes. role and very fancy relevant role. So that's uh, that's big news for the old Ramondre Stevenson. All right, Chris, I don't know if there's really anything else that we need to talk about news-wise. So let's uh, let's uh, call it there. Unless there was any other injuries that you remember, there's a few people who are avoiding uh, practicing at the moment. Uh, but no, no. Like I mean, Julio's always dealing with rounds. something, isn't he? Um, yeah, that's so true. They're all working it through. Um, Elijah Moore's expected to play in the preseason finale against the Eagles. Yep. So uh, Swift's probably the other one to, to be him. worried about. Is, uh, that's true. Not sure that he's going to be ready for week one. Yeah, Dan Campbell came out and wasn't, wasn't very convincing. Uh, <laughs> if anything, he put a lot of doubt, a lot of shade on Swift's availability yep. for week one. So just... You got to keep an eye on that. That's for sure. But anyway, so there you go, guys. There's some uh, some news, some breaking news on the TFL yes, podcast. How's that? Uh, as we were recording, that's uh, that's <laughs> always a bit of fun. Anyway, it's did you know the yes the NFL is is close. The yes. footy is heating up. Oh, it's finals so time. Is the action. Oh yeah, finals at AFL. That's right, Aussie rules. It's heating up. So is the action at DraftKings. So if you want to get in on the action, draft your team, stay within the cap, watch your favorite players, rack up points, draft the right squad, and you can take home millions of prizes thanks to our partnership with DraftKings. Get ready for the upcoming football season by having a crack at some Aussie League contests. If you're new to DFS, no worries. It's super easy. Here's how it works. One, create your new DraftKings account at dkng.co slash TFL. That helps out the pod. And make your first time deposit. Then join a contest in the lobby and pick your players. Make sure you stay within the $50,000 salary cap. Then sit back and watch your players try to climb the leaderboard for your shot at massive prizes. So what are you waiting for? Thinking you have what it takes to beat us? Well, get in on the action and test your sports knowledge. CTA entered now. Global Contest entry fees and prizes are in US dollars, not available to residents of SA. Terms and conditions apply. 18 plus gamble responsibly. Think about your choices. Call Gambling Help at 1 800 858 858 or www.gamblinghelponline.org.au. Eligibility restrictions apply. CAU.draftkings.com for details. Lovely. Look, we love each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to us. Your support means the world to us. One way that you can keep our pod going and support us is on Patreon with our base supporter tier starting at $2 Australian a month. Just Australian, not even US. You can help support our Aussie-based fantasy and DFS pod. Our benefits of joining our Patreon include gaining access to our detailed 2021 player projections as well as getting exclusive access to our cash game lineup each week for less than the co- the cost of a cup of coffee, come join us at patreon.com slash the TFL podcast. Fantastic. Well, guys, we have a very special guest. His name is Chris Robin. We are going to be jumping into an interview with him in just about now. All right, everyone. We are live with Chris Robin or at Detroit Beastie, as you know him on Twitter. And we are very, very lucky to have you, Chris. Uh, you're working for at uh, Team Rise or Fall at the moment as well, so a bit of a plug there. Uh, Correct. Chris, welcome, welcome to the TFL podcast. Thank you. And it's embarrassing to say this uh, as a grown man. It's almost <laughs> nine in the morning here uh, in Detroit, but I have sleepy face because I just yes. literally rolled out of bed about fifteen or twenty minutes ago. So again, I know embarrassing as an adult man, but I, I have that luxury. My my work schedule and my writing schedule allow me to sleep in every once in a while. So so here we are. Thanks for having me. Yes. <laughs> well, we're just glad. Uh, we're glad you woke up and we're glad that you're here with us and I'm glad you're making the uh, the time difference work uh, for us crazy people here in Australia in the future. Yeah. Yeah, might I'm, I'm glad I woke up too. What's the other alternative? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yes. right. Chris, we've got you on to talk about DFS 101. We are jumping into... Uh, looking into DFS a bit more as a podcast. Uh, it's a f- fun 
great way to play fantasy football. What's 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 your favorite thing about DFS in general? What what do you just love about it? Well, there's two things, and I won't spend a ton of time on each one. It's the the way it challenges me. every day, right? That's the whole, that's the beauty to DFS. That's why I kind of, you know, fell in love with, with FanDuel or DraftKings or, and those other formats like nine or 10 years ago, because once you do something, once you, you're constantly doing something, you look for it like a challenge, right? And we've been playing fantasy football and redraft or dynasty IDP for so long where to be fair, it was like, well, I've done this. I've seen this a million times. I want to like to challenge myself and bam, lo and behold, I heard the, the, the advertisement for FanDuel driving home on the freeway like nine or 10 years ago. So it's the challenge (laughs) to me on a daily basis, the the strategic side of things, all the, 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 uh, the salaries, but the second most might be one a, and this is one B is connecting with other people. Like here we are right on a a Wednesday morning. I'm in Detroit. You're in Australia. It's, it's insane. So connecting with folks, people really love to, you know, to kind of look up uh, and see what can, where can I get better? What can I do? Who can I reach out to? And that's where I like to be kind of like the the guiding light or blinking neon sign that says me, because that's what I enjoy to do, help people and, and, and help others. I've done, you know, a lot of DFS stuff, years ago, right? Years before. And I know people are just now starting to get into it this season. Same thing last year. So if I can kind of help and guide other folks with my experience, then I'd be silly not to share my notes or not to share my advice. Cause we all know there's a lot of sneaky people that do like backhanded stuff and I'm very good at this, but they don't share anything because it's like all a secret to them. Mm. And again, I'm not telling somebody how to, to live their life or play DFS, but to me, I'm an open book. I love to share anything and everything I can to help folks get over the hump, to help folks enjoy this just as much as I am. That's awesome. Um, I agree. I think we, uh, Arch and I just jumping into, into this world and it's, it's been great to kind of see people like yourself and others who are keen to share their insights and uh, do it together. Because I think that's one thing with DFS is that it's not like a 12 team league where everyone's out to get each other. Yeah. So actually a whole bunch of people can, yep. can win a whole bunch of people can, can succeed in this. It's us against so the world. Let's, let's do it again. That's yeah. It's like, like you go to the casino and you're playing blackjack or you're playing roulette, right? Great. It's not my money. It's not your money. Money. So why people get that that feeling where if I tell one person my secret, then all my DFS success is going to go away. Look, there's plenty of money to go around on these DFS websites. I'm not the bad guy. <laughs> That's right. hundred yeah, percent. So we are going to look at the kind of two kind of two kind of contests that people kind of talk about. One is GPPs and one's cash. We're going to focus a bit more on GPPs uh, with you, Chris. And so tell us what what is a GPP contest for those uneducated out there? Uh, GPP is a, a larger tournament, a massive tournament. And they come, they come in all shapes and forms. I know there's a, there's single entry GPPs. That means we're all on the same playing field. I get one line, you get one line, Arch, you get one line, and we'll see who who has the better line. Yeah. And then there's multi-entry GPPs. In most cases, it's 150 entries in the same contest. And in that case, uh, I, I mostly, nowadays, I stay out of those contests because as you know, the months have turned into years and we're look, you know, it's August 25th, right? People have a bankroll behind them. They have an unlimited amount of resources. And I'll tell you this, if you go into the the ocean or you go into the lake and you drop, you know, 150, you know, lures and lines, you're going to catch more fish than me. If I only have two poles or two rods, you know, in in the, in the lake or in the ocean there. So it's just a process of elimination. It's ratio of numbers here. So when it comes to GPP, like that is the, I look at a FanDuel GPP kind Kind of like, and this is going to be strange to you being from Australia, but I look at that as the American dream. Everybody says, look, this is FanDuel. Uh, $1 can net me 100K if I get first in this contest. It's a pipe dream. It rarely happens, but that's, I think that's the buzz mm. and that's the excitement that keeps people coming back. Casual fan or even the, like a seasoned vet like myself. So to me, GPPs are the the sole reason why FanDuel and DraftKings was created. It, it, cre- it gets people 
people excited yeah. and oh my God, I can win this amount of money. And then when you transition to cash, yeah, that's just boring. But if you play it right <laughs> and you have a, a process and a method, you can really clean up on a, on a nightly basis. Cash games, you can chip away, right? You're not going to win, you know, five grand, 10 grand in one lump sum. You know, you can dink, dink and dunk, as I say. And that's that's my preferred method of playing as it stands right now. I love getting into and I I play in those they're like three and five uh, person contests. So yep. it's easy peasy. It's me. All I have to do is beat two other people or all I have to do is beat like four other people. So those those three to five man contests, but I play in over 200 of them in a night. I mean, so that's, that's the difference (laughs) here. Uh, I'm able to just enter, enter, enter all day. And then I, to be fair with you, I use the same uh, line across the board in all my entries. And I, I, I could get into that if you'd like it, it probably not boring, but I, I can set my watch by, you know, my hit rate in terms of, of doubling my entry fees in there. So difference between cash and GPPs is one is, is creates this facade where, oh my God, I can win a, a million dollars. I know DraftKings has that Millie maker, mm. better off playing a lotto ticket, better off, you know, <laughs> you, you probably more probable to get struck by lightning than you are to, to win a big GPP. But again, hey, who am I to tell someone how to play uh, DFS? That's the one thing I, I think is very important. Mm. You can uh, download an optimizer, you can pay for an optimizer, or you can buy lines, or you can really work at it. But it's up to the, each individual DFS player to find out what what best method is for them yeah for sure sure. no that's that's great advice i think chris there's uh i think we have to all really consider and like whether we are starting out really small or whether we've built something up for a long time the way we're gonna uh approach the contest i think the more insight that we have into it and the more uh understanding and knowledge is uh, really really important arch what have you been thinking about oh well, and I guess you kind of answered this in a, in a way, but I guess the you know, like the lure of of the GPP is the big payouts, isn't it? And so the Millie Maker Correct. is the the big ticket in there. But there's so many other contests. Uh, really, is that that's just something that you know it's so uh, the odds of of winning those is so low. It, it, that's just you you would avoid those those big field tournaments. I do now. Yes. I mean, let's say, you know, if we rewind back five or six years, uh, it, it was a little bit easier to hit. It's it's still set up for, you know, FanDuel to be, the, you know, the benefactor here in yeah. terms of the money coming in and the, and the money going out. But in today's day and age, especially right now, August uh, 25th, almost 26 on on your side of town here, <laughs> uh, people are people are getting smarter. People are getting better. More people are, are looking to play. So in turn, those big GPPs are are watered down, right? But again, you I could argue both sides here. They get watered down with, you know, thousands of, of casual fans who enter a lineup and they don't edit it. And it's just a wasted entry. So we have that advantage. We also have the advantage of, you know, people not knowing. They they enter the contest and they edit their lines and they have no idea what what what's up and what's down and what's left to right. And we can get over on those folks. So then we've made it halfway through, but we're still, you know, at 10,000th place, right? If there's 20,000 people. People in there, yeah. you know, five thousand are watered down. Five thousand have no idea what they're doing. So, bam, you can bump yourself up to ten thousandth place, and then that's when the real work starts. And it's it's just fun from start to finish. And and Rowan, while you were talking, I mentioned I, I was starting to think. You know what? A uh, I don't even know if they're around anymore. It's called the blooming onion, where it's like a deep fried onion, and you peel the uh, the petals I, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yep. dip it in that that like horseradish sauce. When I think of DFS, especially when when I'm writing or I'm talking or sp- like right now, when someone asks me a question, each question is like a peel. Like I, I could one question is is I'm peeling, and then because of that, there's ten more questions. So it's the strategic side of DFS is mm. really really gets me going, boys. Oh. Yeah, I can't wait to. That, I've been just aching for the just to get thinking on just the theory behind how how we can actually maximise our, our returns through you know through GPPs yeah. particularly at the moment. Um, so, if are you always looking if you're entering a GPP, are you max entering if like or or avoiding it if you can't max enter? 
Uh, great question. And I, I have maxed out a contest before a, a lot of times. It started off as just to say, you know, well, just to say I did, right? Because yeah. if, if this is what I wanted to do for a living or the, I'm taking this, you know, advice and writing, broadcasting, DFS stuff serious, I, I want to cover all my bases. I want to feel experienced in all aspects of that. Because imagine going to the doctor, you know, for a sore throat and he, he can only get you so far. Well, I'm a doctor, but I haven't studied that. So in terms, I'm not comparing myself to a doctor, but I want to, 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 you know, take in everything it has to offer here. So a GPP to me is in maxing out a GPP is fun to do every once in a while. I still do maybe once, once a month, twice a month, but it's, you know, the, the bigger one, the easiest one to do is it's a dollar, right? A hundred, yep. the, the big GPP every day for baseball, hockey, football, basketball. So it's 150 bucks to max enter. And you're going to spend more time kind of, you know, editing and, and entering than anything else. But I, I do enjoy it from time to time based on the slate. I'm a huge, uh, I love smaller slates, like two games, like an after hours baseball slate or an after hours hockey slate, or even uh, like football, they have the Sunday night. So you get the yep. Sunday night football game and the Monday night football game, two games, but the contests are still the same. The payouts are still the same. And you, you're greatly diminishing your risk, if that makes sense. So like on a main slate, you got 16 games, 17 games, and it's a hundred thousand people in there. That is next to impossible to make any headway there. So mm. I probably wouldn't waste my time max entering those. And if anybody ever wants to max out a contest, just to say they did, just to see what it's like, you can always max enter like a nickel contest. Yeah. I've done that before. It's like, it'll cost you like 1250, 1350 yep. to max enter one of those contests. Just to say you did get the experience, what, what it's like to edit 150 lines, what it's like to, to kind of, you know, all that stuff. So it, it's kind of invaluable. And for 1250, I mean, come on. And I, I I believe about a month or two ago, I, I wanted to uh, max enter a baseball tournament without using any money, just using those those free tickets. Right. Yeah. And uh, actually, it, there was I had to spend like 10 cents or 12 cents, but you win an entry. And yeah. I, I just, I fell short. I won 114 free tickets and the max was 150. So fell short, but it's just fun to, to kind of reach for new stuff, you know? Uh, that's fantastic. I think, Part of it is about experimenting and that's, I think, part of the fun and but also being wise in that. And I think that's why it's great to hear your insights because, hey, we, we're dealing with money. It's an important thing to take care of and you yeah. don't want to overspend or go too hard uh, at all. Uh, so I think hearing this is really, really important. What do you think about those single entry, three max type competitions that uh, yeah allow you to kind of be on that level playing field with everyone straight away? Are they exploitable? Are they are they uh things to kind of push into. Absolutely. Yeah. Like a single entry GPP is still one of my favorite contests to enter. Cause as I said, uh, everybody's on the same playing field, you know, uh, the, the number one ranked DFS player in the world, I believe is Alex Baker, AKA at awesome. And I try and pick his brain off uh, from time to time. And it, when you look around the landscape on a daily basis, you know, he's in almost, he's in literally every contest under the sun here. <laughs> so a single entry GPP to me is, uh, how can I be as wild and different as possible? Right. Like, let's say, you know, tomorrow or let's say today is, is there's a football, there's a full slate of football games and I'm in these single entry GPPs. I'm going to put the most off the wall yet educated team together. I can, because then you get into the point of uh, it's called chalk. I'm going to fade the chalk. What is chalk? Chalk is just those, you know, Kansas city is always chalk, right? Buffalo is always chalk. Those are the, the, the high floor, uh, you know, uncapped ceiling kind of guys that everybody on earth is going to have because they produce, but you're not going to get any headway if we all have the same players. So that, that was where, you know, bottom of the barrel was born. Mm -hmm. But to me, single entry is still exciting. And I try and get as off the wall contrarian as I can. I did it last night with baseball, right? The, the uh, Dodgers are studs and Boston are studs. I'm going to stack the Pittsburgh Pirates and see what it gets me. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, uh, it's if you can, yeah, if you can afford it, then I think that's really, really uh, can a fun. I, can way I to ever go, eat the chalk, or I have to always yeah, fade chalk? Great question. Yeah, absolutely. You can eat the chalk all the time uh, on a daily basis if you want, but that's the you know. 
in, in, in football, people talk, hopefully I, I'm not burying, you know, the lead or your, your questions here, but in terms of, uh, of chalk and, and fading chalk or eating chalk, it's always nice to, to kind of see that in front of you based on the slate and realize, well, you know what, if the three of us are in the same contest mm-hmm. together, just a three man contest, us three, you know, I, I want to, 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 eat chalk. I want to have chalk because then those players become free squares. And then once the contest locks, you can look at ownership percentages. And I see up me, Rowan and Arch all have the same quarterback. We have the same running back. We have the same wide receiver. So those are free squares. So meaning it's cut the contest literally in half for me. And those two or three guys that I rostered that you don't, that's where I'll have the edge. And that's where, you know, the, the homework side of things and the crunching numbers and the strategic value of of some of these players uh, come from. So eating chalk is a, is a great move, but it's all in the eye of the beholder. It's all, yep. your, you know, how you build your lineup, what slate, who's the chalk and you go from there. So where do you, where do you yeah, get that correct. sense of who, who is everyone playing this week? Who is the chalk? Well, it's, it's first of all, as corny as it sounds, you know, playing DFS for so long. And the moment I wake up, I'll, I'll go on social media and I'll check some stuff. And I have some, some group text messages with my, the guy friends I grew up with. And you can feel it right here, right in your chest, right? You can, you know, this guy is going to be, you know, chalk today. And then if you want some further, uh, further dig into that, you can go a lot of these websites that, that offer optimizers also deal with, with ownership percentage. Yeah. And I think, you know, ownership percentage in DFS is something I find highly important, yet not a lot of websites are talking about it. I'm not trying to shamelessly plug, you know, team rise or fall, but they have a, their own tools dedicated to ownership percentage. And, and, you know, you'll, you'll see, you know, the owner CEO, his name is Mitch. He'll highlight that stuff. He'll screenshot, he'll circle it. And, and, and he puts it out to everybody, you know, paid customers or, or mm. you know, free whatever. So to me, ownership percentage uh, is massive and people just kind of glance over that kind of stuff. Do you have like a, in your mind, a cut a set cutoff of roster where you think, oh, that's too much. I'll, I'll fade him this week. Yeah. Based on, and again, that is, uh, could talk about, you know, it, right here, but it's all relative. It's all on a, on a week to week, day to day, you know, game basis, right? Let's say uh, for football, let's say the Kansas city chiefs are hosting uh, the, the Detroit lions. Well, I think Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards and Tyree kill and Kelsey are going to be like 75% owned because they're Kansas city. Not only are they Kansas city, but they're in Arrowhead and they're hosting my hapless Lions. So, you know, everybody (laughs) on earth is going to flock towards them, but let's say, you know, Kansas city is playing the Washington football team. Washington football team's defensive line is unbelievably talented. Their defense in general is getting good. So while Kansas City still might be might be chalk, I might pull back the reins and have very low ownership just in case. So you can yep. fade chalk and if it pans out, you're at another uh, you know extremely high advantage where we know, you know, Mahomes and, and Tyree Kill and Kelsey are 45% owned and they put up goose eggs if I didn't roster them, well, well, there's there's my advantage and I'm able to zoom past the mm. the Kansas City Chiefs folks who who played them. Uh, that's that's really good. When you look at building, you, you're talking about hand building or optimizing. What do you uh, what do you prefer doing? Are you a hand builder first and then optimize the second, or uh, do you head straight for uh, the, the the optimizers? That there's a lot of sites out there who you pay show. for optimizers and stuff yeah. like that. Let me show you this. I mean, it's no secret. This is my my Bible, right? See all the tabs, and <laughs> yeah. I hand I hand build every day. Yeah, every nice. day I hand build. So there's like. 300 pages in here and, and there's little to no like uh, blank space left. I write tiny to fill it in. So I've always been a hand builder and I even take it a step further while I, where I write down the results, you know, the next day. Right. So I, that's something I have to do when we're done here, finish my coffee and write down and, and see what I did. So there's clear advantages for, for both sides. I like to yep. think, or excuse me, let me take that back. I don't think there is an advantage one way or another. We know it's 2021 soon to be 2022. Everybody does things with their smartphones, with their tablets. So there's little to no pen and paper action going on. So that's just what I enjoy. And again, 
is there advantage to, to hand building and using an optimizer and building it that way? I don't know. But personally, I love the idea of having a pen in my hand in writing everything down. So it's just another layer of the blooming onion that I enjoy doing. This is what this whole thing is, should be about anyways. Shouldn't you shouldn't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I, I'm. I'm bummed out. I got to play DF. Like if that ever happens, then I'll walk away. But I still enjoy writing everything down and hand building. There's there's the satisfaction that I get from seeing it go from my brain to my hand to my pen to the paper. And then when it caches at the end of the night. For sure. If if we go back to the optimizers, though, part of me and and I guess why I've I've always been a hand builder. I don't trust the machines. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and, I, and I just worry that if I put too much faith in a machine that I don't understand, uh, I'm, there's bound to be some mistakes I'm making. What what are some traps that you could, that people could have if they just run into optimizers blindly? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, it, my first thought, Arch, was have you seen that uh, uh, Tesla is building you know smart robots? Yes. Have you seen that? With and the then sp- Will face Smith on the screen, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And then Will Smith the other day on Instagram posted a photo photo of the, the the Tesla robot and then a photo of him from that iRobot oh, where he's no. like this. <laughs> you know. So imagine that. I could get my own DFS robot. I can yes. tu- I can turn it on to do uh whatever I want here. But when it comes to to optimizers, I think the biggest trap is people just they they have no uh like they don't have time, right? They just hit that they put their credit card in, they get access to an optimizer, they hit enter and optimize the lineup and then they use it from start to finish exactly how it is. Well, how many other folks have access to that same optimizer and how many folks are just using the same lineup? So depending on the contest, the only issue there would be that we're all, we're all tied in some form or fashion. And then if you're tied at the top or you're tied for 10th, you know, the prizes get cut in half and then they get sliced up even more and more and more. So to me, an optimizer is fantastic to like right now in the morning to just hit optimize, hit, hit opto and see what it gives you. And then does that link up? with with my planned uh, ideas or my planned stacks for the day. Mm-hmm. And then if you're, you're kind of in a rut or you're on a losing streak, you know, well, I liked, I want to stack, let's say the Pittsburgh, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Right. And, but then after that, I'm, I'm, I'm at a complete blank. So you put in the Pittsburgh Steelers and then you optimize and the computer can kind of, you know, mix and match around your original idea of the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers and, and go from there. But I would say also with an optimizer, Everybody has access to it, as I've said. And then second, a lot of say optimizers are using the same old uh, stats, right? They're using the same exact thing. Whereas in, you know, when you're hand building and you're looking everything up from, from a fresh perspective, all, all jokes aside and all nonsense aside, you tend to see things that an optimizer can't pick up. I mean, I, I think we're on the verge of completely being replaced one day by artificial <laughs> intelligence, right? Because they have everything, they can do anything you want, right? But in terms of a human being, there's still things that you can't get over from a computer with a human being. The eye test, like I, I have a feeling about this or I saw that, you know, last month and it's stored in my memory. So to me, uh, using an optimizer has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages being as it doesn't have that that human emotion factor built in. Yep. Yeah, and I, I've I've been uh, listening to a fair bit of um, the Joe Holker show as well, and he, and I, and I think part of that he, he often talks about the the trap of using median projections and just thinking uh, just blindly that that's that's what they'll get rather than looking at range of outcomes, which the optimizers Correct. don't don't factor that in, and so we we want that high ceiling, not that you know small range of outcomes around that median projection. Exactly. It, there's a few factors that it doesn't take in and range of outcomes is one of them. It's just with an optimizer. One thing I do envy about an optimizer is it, it takes out all that, all that human emotion, right? I hit optimize and I go up. Oh, there's uh Deontay Johnson from Pittsburgh. He, the, Oh, he like he burned me personally last season in my seasonal stuff like the optimizer doesn't care about your feelings. They're going to give you the best possible option there. But in a way that that's that's it. That's as far as it gets you. There's no, you know, in-depth. It's not specifying why or or range of outcomes, as you said. Yeah, that's really good. I think when we're using optimizer as well, you're looking at the players that you obviously you like and you're fading. How do you go about 
Like, do you have a player pool that you're like, I'm going to choose these particular guys. So I'm just, these guys I'm definitely not choosing this week. And how do you kind of come up with that, that sense of who's going to be part of your, your lineups for, for the weekend? Yeah. I'll be honest with you here. It's, it's really simple. I just pick on bad teams. Right. And then what I do is, and tell me if I'm crazy, I've been doing this for years if for, in, in like big GPPs or even cash games, I pick on the bad teams. And then, so there, there's one, there's one player pool, right. As we mentioned, like Kansas city, uh, Buffalo, they're in my, my player pool. Right. And then I have, I make a separate one of those bad teams. So let's say Buffalo is playing uh, the line. And so I'm going to stack Buffalo in one lineup, but then again, I'm going to stack Detroit in another one just in case. That's me being trying to be contrarian or to try to be different here. Same thing with Kansas City. Let's say uh, Kansas City's playing Vegas. I know nobody's really on Vegas. So then I will make a team. I will stack a team of uh, the Lions and and Steelers. So it it goes both ways with me. Stack the chalk and the good teams, but then I'll also stack the bad teams as well, hoping that if one of them hits, I'm in the money, right? If Kansas city and Buffalo kind of blank one day and the teams that they're playing do well, who on earth is going to be on their opponents? It's just like a silly thing I've learned over the years. You can never be too safe. You can never be too careful. So you just got to run, run with your gut. Nice. Can you explain a bit to maybe people who are listening, haven't played much DFS? What's the what's the purpose of a stack? What is a stack, and how important are stacks? And there's even the onslaughts people talking about. How important are those uh, constructions in your lineup for 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 winning for for doing well on a given slate? Sure. Yeah. Now here's might not want to hear this and. Uh it's it's something depending on the sport. Arch has someone coming in his room. Hopefully, it's not uh, you know Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers. That's my, what it sounded my, like a horror movie. Yeah, my, the dog. My dog head butted the door open. Okay, <laughs> feed the poor dog. Come on, he's probably starving. Uh, so when it comes to uh, it, along those lines here, I. I look at it as uh, I completely forgot the question, Rowan. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Stacks and Stacks, onslaughts. Yes. Yeah. Stacks and onslaughts. Absolutely. So it depends on the sport, right? In in football, I do, I rarely stack, right? Cause I know on FanDuel and even DraftKings, you can only roster four players from the same team. If you stack five, it's invalid. I know it does it in baseball and hockey, yeah. but when it comes to football, I don't think stacking is all that important, but when it comes to ice hockey or baseball, stacking is a must, right? Because baseball, you know, you get points for everything. You get on base, and then if the guy's on first, he gets a home. You know, the guy batting behind him hits a home run. He gets a point for every base he touches and the run scored. But when it comes to football, uh, I love. I you could stack like a. a, a a quarterback and a wide receiver or a quarterback tight end along those lines there. But I don't think stacking in football is all that important. If you look at some of the week to week basis, like the big GPP winners, it's, it's a mix and match, you know, mash unit of every it's everything's a one-off because those players, uh, they went above and beyond their projections. As Arch said, the range of outcomes just absolutely hit. And it's like a slot machine. So in, in basketball, I don't stack either often football, not often, but in hockey and baseball, I stack every, every day. I find it to be important. Are there any combinations yeah, that you would want to avoid? So like, obviously the classic stack of, you know, quarterback with his wide receiver, but would you avoid having uh, the running back and the quarterback on the same team or, or do they sometimes correlate well? Well, it's a great question. And it's, and it's on a, a week to week basis, right? If do I, am I going to want to stack Jared golf and, and uh, Deandre Swift? I, I, probably not because, you know, golf has been shown that uh, he, he doesn't really throw to the running back. And by the way, I'm making this up. I'm just, you know, thinking ahead here, but if it comes to like, you go to LA, uh, Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, you know, we can trust Eckler to catch, you know, 75 or 80 balls this season. And when you break it down, he's going to see uh, Eckler. That is, he's going to see like six or seven targets a game. That would be a good stack because then you can double dip with the points. You're getting the points for Herbert. You're getting the points for, for Austin Eckler, but some other teams, 
teams like Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington and uh, and Antonio Gibson. Don't know if it's it would be as fruitful as, say, Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire sure. or Jameis Winston and Alvin Kamara. So it, it, to me, you kind of have to build backwards that way. Look at the running backs who are heavy. They're, they're heavy handed in, in PPR formats, meaning they're going to catch a lot of balls. And then you backtrack to who's the quarterback instead of going the other way around, looking at the quarterbacks first and then stacking them with with a, a running back. Start from start from the, the, the back and work your way in. Let's look at some PPR running backs. Then you kind of correlate the quarterback around them. Mm. No, cool. That's a, that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, what are you thinking about NFL in particular? What's something that you do look for at each position? Uh, is it, I think obviously you're probably looking at scoring settings, whether something's PPR or half PPR, uh, when you're looking at wide receivers, running backs. I think the flex position is also always really interesting to kind of look at. I feel like a bit of research I've seen is that wide receivers more often than not are a better play in your flex. Are these, yeah, what are these, are, are they things that you've kind of found to be true? Uh, you know, th- th- another great question. I, what I found to be true is I know that it's off the wall. You didn't ask me this, but like stacking, you know, offensive players against the same DST that you're rostering uh, in these lineups. Cause then that, that's no good. Like stacking yeah. batters against a pitcher here. It's just kind of, uh, you know, spinning, spinning your wheels there. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of that, I don't mind, you know, getting players uh, I, to be honest, that's the whole reason why I created bottom of the barrel. Those, those cheaply owned guys that nobody ever talks mm. about. Cause everybody's looking, for, you know, the, the glitz and the glamour here. What I look to the most is, you know, snap percentages. If these guys are guys or kids are on the field, then I'm more likely to, to bring them in my line. Like if it's, if it's close to me between two players and I look at, let's say uh, Devin Singletary in, in Buffalo or JD McKissick in Washington, right? I have the, they're the same amount of money on both sites, but I, I have room for only one. Who am I going to choose? I'm going to dig into snap percentages. I'm going to dig in like a target share. And I'm also going to look into, you know, since these, these are both uh, running backs that like to catch the ball. McKissick was a PPR darling last mm. year. What kind of coverage are they going to see? Are they going to be covered by, you know, the, the, the third linebacker on the opposing defense? Or are they going to be covered by the slot cornerback from the opposing defense? So it, it's along the lines of in baseball, you say BVP, you know, batter versus pitcher. In football, they haven't really designated that because the every defenses are always changing. So when it's between two players like that, I look at, you know, snap percentages, how much is their cost and what what's the the target share and nobody ever really, I, I rarely do. I hear someone say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to stack JD McKissick uh, tonight because I know Patrick McQueen in Buffalo is more than likely going to cover him. And although Patrick Queen in, in Baltimore is a damn fine young uh, linebacker, he struggles in coverage. So it's all, again, it's always all in the high eye of the beholder and it's up to us individually to kind of, you know, do the work and, and mm-hmm. crunch these numbers and just l- looking at a screen, you can see lots of graphics where, the, the defense is laid out, you know, in, in front of you and, and where normally each guy goes. They Are they going to bring a safety up to kind of help cover uh, J.D. McKissick? So I'm looking at two guys potentially that could cover J.D. McKissick. Then maybe I'll fade it, but it's not always the case. Yeah. Uh, one position that I found last year just that brought me lots of joy when I, when, when I hit was just tight end position because, you know, it seemed last year it was, you know, pay up for one or two guys or there's a whole bunch of mid priced, uh, you know, schmucks. And then, uh, (laughs) and then I'd always, I I loved punting tight end. Is that something you, you like to, when they hit it, man, it feels good. You're speaking my language. I, I, if, if I was there with you, Arch, I'd give you a big hug and a kiss, (laughs) kiss on the cheek. I've always punted tight ends, not only in my seasonal formats, but also uh, DFS formats, tight end, uh, over the years, it has been the last position I fill yep. every week. I mean, uh, is it important? Uh, not necessarily. Can it get? Do you get an advantage if the tight end you rostered, you know, goes wild? Sure, but though that's kind of few and far between. It's kind of you know, last season it was Kelsey and Waller, and then it didn't matter. So yeah. why would I spend you know sixty five hundred dollars on a tight end when I can kind of boost my boost a running back and, and boost a wide receiver? So punting on a tight end to me is that since day one I love doing that. Yeah. To be fair, uh, the one position I always fill first, and I'm not kidding, is the DST. Historically, if you 
look back through the years or even you don't want to dig that deep, go back to last year and look at some of the, the, the first overall, you know, big money contest winners. More times than not, those lineups have the highest scoring DST for the week there. So I look at DST first and then I build uh, around it. Tight end always last. Please punt tight end. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a, a great thing for people who probably aren't sure how to go about building a lineup. I think that's that's a really nice strategy. What do you have a pro a process then, or like a you go DST first? Do you do then quarterback or running back or wide receiver in there? Like, or do they kind of mix depending on the stack that you're trying to find yeah. or the the games that you're working with each week? Well, here's the thing. I know I've said this a few times, but hopefully I've explained it enough that it makes sense. It's it's a week to week week thing. Sometimes there's a a handful of juicy running backs, and then then I'll want to get them in my lineup first. Some weeks they're juicy wide receiver matchups. I want to get in my line first. So uh, every every week I don't go into the the slate saying, you know what, I I need I'm going to stack running backs this week. I let the I let the schedule you know kind of unfold, and then I look into it. You know. Every I start the, the next week's, you know, notes and, and bottom of the barrel like Sunday night or Monday morning. So I, you have like a full you know, five or six days to kind yeah. of take it in here. So every week it, it's kind of different here. But I, I must say that running backs as a 37 year old man who's been playing, uh, you know, fantasy football since like 1995. I was in fifth grade. Uh, I still have that old man stay off my lawn kind of approach to running backs. Like I still love stacking running backs because yes. if you look back. You know, through time, you know, standard scoring was always that that was it. That's all we super flex was never a thing. PPR was never a thing. So running backs were always the the core and the anchor of our fantasy team. And I've carried that over uh, into DFS formats. Nice. Uh, no, fair talking enough. to a uh, soon to be 37 year old man over here, too. Um, back to defense. When when you're looking at a defense, one thing I learned last year was I started thinking, oh, surely I just look at you know the Vegas totals and I'll just go for the lows because defense is having a field day. But then what I started to notice is some of the uh, defenses that would top score weren't coming from those games. That sort of they're building them, I guess, their score on the turnovers. Is that something you sort of you how how do you look for your defenses? I guess is yeah, I'm looking at. To be fair, uh, matchup, let's say again, I know I've said Washington, but I'm just so in love with that, with that DST, uh, this season, you know, if you look back, right, I say stack quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers against bad teams. So you'd think that's the same process for DST. Well, no, not necessarily. If I can get, you know, remember that New England Patriots team like two years ago, they were mm. unbelievable. They were the number one scoring DST. And why is that? Because they they created turnovers. They had sacks. You have to look at some of the uh, more important you know, metrics for, for defenses. And can, do I think I could parlay that week to week, depending on the matchup? So I don't necessarily choose my DST based on the opposing team. I choose my DST based on what that team does itself in terms of batting down balls, sacks, quarterback pressures, you know, the uh, interceptions, fumble recoveries. You know, if, if I can get a, a DST that is just swarms the football, and I can count on a couple sacks and a couple uh, interceptions, then that's the team for me. And to be honest with you, you know, interceptions, they're, they're so volatile. That's like we all say that, you know, projecting uh, touchdowns for an offensive player is next to impossible. You might as well have a, a crystal ball or something along those lines. Same thing goes for for interceptions. Mm. The number one thing I look for my team DST on a week to week basis are, are, are sacks. How many how often are they pressuring the quarterback? How often are they tackling for a loss? Because one leads to another. If the first five plays of the game, you know, the defensive line is kind of getting their hands up in the face of the offensive tackles and they're getting back and the couple tackles for loss. I know that there's going to be a high, high probability of some sacks. And to be fair, I almost think a sack uh, scoring on FanDuel is a little bit more than an interception. So uh, look for just ball hawking, you know, uh, defenses. Yeah. What I think I'm hearing, I'm hearing you say is that you're taking less into account about who people are playing and who like the defense, especially and more about what's the quality of that player. What's the quality of that DST? Uh, is that something that you carry through all the time? And is that a trap that people can fall into caring too much about who these people are playing? Yeah. I would say that, you know, picking on, you know, 
awful week opposing defenses. Uh, that's that's as easy as it gets. I mean, that's DFS 101 in all sports across the board. But when it comes to football, people just see, you know, the name, they see the, the price. Like, it doesn't matter who Christian McCaffrey is playing. It doesn't matter, you know, what uh, DK Metcalf is playing in Seattle, right? They see these players, they know what they can do, and then they stack them that way. I think your question, Rowan, is the reason why uh, bottom of the barrel was so successful last season. Instead of I, I took the name completely out of out of my research, I just looked at uh, you know ownership percentages. I looked at snap percentages. How often are these these kids on the field? And then I go from there. Then I kind of see, oh, see the name. Like right, uh, for example, Jalen Guyton, a young kid, wide receiver for the the Chargers. Last season, he was in bottom of the barrel several times. Same thing with Gabriel Davis. Nobody even knew who these guys are. Nobody cared about them, but they were pl- they were on the field a whole heck of a lot. And come to find out, Herbert, you know, kind of used Guyton as his deep threat. I believe uh, Guyton had uh, two or three games in a row of at least a 70-yard catch, two touchdowns or a 70-yard catch in, in three games there. And nobody paid any mind to it because it's not, you know, it's not a household name. It's not a name that pops up in optimizers, but these kids are on the field and they're getting high, mm. high targeted upside, uh, you know, or excuse me, they're getting high upside targets here. That's what I'm looking for. The kicker was Gabe Davis and, and Guyton were as cheap as it gets. And we saw the results, right? Same thing with, let's say, Christian Kirk or Andy Isabella. Last season, I put uh, Isabella in bottom of the barrel and he scored two touchdowns that, that game. And it had nothing to do with the opposing defense. It had everything to do with his price on FanDuel and how often he's on the field and what are his target, mm-hmm. what's his target share and what are those those targets looking like really fast, like Adam Thielen. This guy, I believe he was second overall last season in red zone targets and he parlayed it into double digit touchdowns. So it, it has everything to do with what are the what's the targets looking like? Is it is there massive upside compared to the price? Uh, that's good. Oh right, yeah. Great stuff to think about there, Chris. It's really, really uh, insightful. I've loved chatting to you. One, I guess, last question as we kind of uh, wrap up a little bit, but we talked about uh, briefly in the beginning um, about the different types of slates that there are. There's the big main slates. you got like 15 or so games on them, but then you've got these small slates and showdown games where it's just one single game. Can you talk to us a, bit, a little bit about how do you approach those differently and what should people be doing as they uh, play the different types of slates? Sure. Now, when it comes to those big main slates, like right now, uh, baseball is is in full swing, the dog days of summer. And then week one, every week of the NFL season, you're going, the main slate is going to be, you know, 14 or 15 games. I, at this stage of the, of the game, in this stage of my DFS playing career, uh, I mostly fade main slates because right now, now DFS has become so popular. A lot of the main slates get watered down. And as I told you at the beginning of the broadcast, a lot of dummies, you know, they max enter and then they forget to edit. So <laughs> it's just, it's so volatile and watered down. I stay away from main slates completely. I love to pick on those smaller slates, those after hour slates or those express slates where it's two or three games. I honestly think I do my best DFS work when it's only two game slate, right? Like an after hours and in baseball, or even as I said, you know, in the beginning of the broadcast, like a Sunday night, Monday night uh, kind of slate. You get two games, four teams, and it cuts the risk in half. That's all I've ever, that's all I ever try to do is kind of mitigate my risk and look at the, the ratio of what do I have to do? So if I, if I'm playing an after hour slate, there's, there's two games and I'm playing in a, in a four man, five man contest. So my risk factor has gone way down. I only have to beat four people and I have uh, four, four teams to choose from. So I feel like I can have an advantage in that, in that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about when you're constructing a lineup in a in a like a showdown or two game slate compared to a main slate? How are you? What are you kind of focusing on in those in those spots? Well, in a let's talk, uh, you know, showdown or I think it's captain mode on, on Fanduel where it's just one game and uh, you have to fill five positions and you that one of them is like an MVP or co MVP and the MVP gets double the points here. Uh, in those in those contests, I, I do play the main slates. It's it's easy peasy. There's one game and there's 10,000 people in a contest. So I try and be as different off the wall as I can. Like at the Super Bowl last year, Kansas City and, and, and Tampa Bay, right? How many lineups had uh, 
Patrick Mahomes in the MVP spot, a hundred, hundreds of thousands. <laughs> but if Patrick Mahomes hits, well, you get kind of a free ride to the top and then you're on your own after that. But so in a showdown mode, I look for the uh, the least expensive option if, if that is possible, but with the highest probability of hitting. So last year in the Super Bowl, I had uh, Leonard Fournette in my MVP spot. He scored twice. I got over on a few folks. I won a couple hundred bucks and that's it. But if you're building uh, like a show down captain mode, I would look to be as, as different and as odd as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with like best ball or, or seasonal fantasy teams. If you build it with all with all studs and, and high, high upside guys, you're probably, you're going to be okay, but I don't think you'll ever really get over the hump. You're going to stay 500. You're going to win eight or 10 games. And mm-hmm. same thing with, with, uh, with FanDuel or DraftKings. If you just want a piece of the pie, then have at it. Then you stack chalk, you put chalk in the MVP spot and there you go. You get your slice of pie and we all go home. But if you're looking to, to, to hit big and really make a difference in the money that's returning, you have to make an educated guess on someone that you don't think anybody is really going to be on in that MVP spot. I stay away from showdowns. I mean, I've kind of dabbled last season, but it's just not for me. Uh, I'm not into that thing because it takes away. Uh, I feel like I can have the, the more strategic advantage in a two game slate and a three game slate over a showdown because any bum, you know, your grandma can enter a showdown and hit and hit just because she sees the the, yep. the players names and oh my God, I, I love his helmet. I love his number puts it. it it's just that there's no real strategic advantage. It's all, you know, just luck. Fair enough. Yeah. And no, I, I think, I think what, I'm, what I'm hearing a lot along the way is play the contests that you're comfortable with. If you, if you're not feeling that you're going to be successful in certain contests, avoid them. No one's yeah. forcing you to, to do things you don't want to do. Exactly. And that's all what that's all DFS and, and seasonal fantasy football's always been about. Do as do as you please. Don't get in over your head. And when it comes to DFS, you know, start slow. You don't yep. have the money to blow. Don't spend it. But that's why, you know, I you I could say if you're a first time DFS player, put 10 or 20 bucks in, in your account, but then sprinkle it everywhere. Don't kind of, you know, stick yourself in one position because if you're new find out what what you're into are you yeah. into more cash games are you into 50 50s or gpps now uh, uh, you can buy any optimizer you want you can you know research and look for any advice from a from a from a writer but we can only i can only do so much there's going to be a certain point where you're going to be left on your own to kind of decide you know any last minute changes any contest entry right. so you could spend all the money in the world on an optimizer but it's still not going to tell you what contest are best for you. Yeah, uh, that's good. How do you, last question before we go, how do you manage your bankroll? What's, do you have a, like I'm only spending 5% this week or like today or, or something like that? Like, do you have a, a rule that, that you go by? Well, it's probably not a rule. It might sound silly, but I let the contests kind of speak to me in that way. I know it's probably corny. Like, you know, what, what, what <laughs> this guy thinks he's like the karate kid of, uh, of DFS or Wusa or doing when he was doing this, Daniel son was doing this, but I let the contest speak to me. You know, I, I look at it day every day. And right now uh, we got baseball going on, as I've said a million times. And then week one of the NFL season, I'll probably pull back the reins a little bit. I I've seen it over and over again for, for, five, six seasons. The first like two or three weeks of the football season, it's insane. It's just unbelievably bonkers insane. Everybody on earth wants to try DFS. And so weeks one, two, and three are, they're impossible to get, to gain any advantage. They're impossible to do anything of note because you have the, these flyby nights or these first timers that build a lineup without even looking at their phone. And those are the folks who, who wind up hitting it big. So uh, I let the slate speak to me. Uh, I, I rarely play mains as I was saying. And I go from there, like in, in football terms, I had a goal last season where uh, it just happened out of nowhere. Like this time last year, I said, you know what? I have a healthy amount in my FanDuel you know, account right now. I want to make it through an entire season without making a deposit. And I did it first time in my life. First time since ever playing DFS, I didn't have to make a deposit throughout the season. And I, that's just, I played uh, I, as the slates kind of al- allowed yeah. me to what, what is good and what is bad. Because again, I know a lot of people in their regular everyday life, they see shoes or they see coffee, like they spend willy nilly and there's no real regard for their savings account or their checking account. <laughs> People do the same thing for football. Oh, well, I have 150 bucks in my bank account and it's week three. 
guess I got to spend it all. See what I can do. I mean, you're allowed to play as you want, but I, 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 I everything I do with DFS is cool, calm and calculated. Great. Love that. I think I, that's a great mentality to have. I, I just love every question we ask. We end up getting about three answers to questions I yeah. wish I asked. Uh, I just, <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I feel bad. You asked no. me a question and I riff on it for 10 minutes. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, what you, you spoke to me because I'm probably too bonkers about week one coming soon and I was probably going to way uh, go in too heavy. But uh, yeah, probably do need to pull back and just uh, see how things uh, land. Arch, I, uh, in all honesty, I can tell you right now, uh, I have a notebook around here somewhere uh, where I where I've logged uh, every week of the NFL season in terms of DFS. And if memory serves me correctly, you know, things start to clear up around week four, week yeah. five in terms of being able to, to get back in the saddle and really take advantage of the slights. But the first three or four weeks of the NFL season for DFS purposes, mm. it's just it, it's insane. It's like everybody and their mother wants to play and then they don't win for a couple weeks and they quit. So week four to five, uh, we're back to normal. And then there's another, and then it dips and, and, you know, we fit right in. And then there's another, uh, you know, explosion after like week 15, week 16, because seasonal formats yeah. are done. We've already played championships are one. So then everybody jumps back into the pool, you know, week 15, 16 and 17 here. So just something to think about. No, no. no like, and, and I think what me and Rowan are on about is responsible DFS playing. We don't want Correct. people, we want people to play with what they can afford to lose. We don't want, uh, you know, spend, uh, your, 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 your family's dinner money, uh, we want you to be right, yeah. be responsible with with what you've got. Play with what you're comfortable with, um, and don't get too emotional like I'm about to get. <laughs> that's okay to get emotional. That's that that's one of the the more fun parts of this. Get emotional. Just you have to kind of uh, you know. Don't get nuts with those emotions. Don't yeah, throw your phone through your four thousand yeah. dollars smart TV when Derrick Henry doesn't put up two hundred yards. So <laughs> yes. emotion, emotion is good. Just use it to your advantage. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Chris. Uh, it's been a, a great, great time, and I feel like everything you said has just been really, really insightful. And I think anyone who's listening to this, whether it's their first time playing DFS or whether they've been in the game for a while, I think they really have appreciated everything that you've had had to say. So thanks so much for coming on and uh, being with us uh, this evening slash this morning. Yeah, I could talk DFS all night and day, which I have sometimes and I could right now. It's just strange to me, like both of you are ready to go to bed and me, I just woke up, I'm, I'm ready to start my day. So uh, you can go to bed, I'll have another cup of coffee and uh, we'll meet we'll meet on the flip side this time tomorrow yes. so before we go where can <laughs> we find all your work uh you can find me on twitter uh at detroit beastie all my dfs content bottom of the barrel uh everything is on team riser fall go over there uh tell them beastie sent you that's my promo code and it's just unbelievable tools for dfs this coming season and again I, i'm not you know, shamelessly plugging just because I'm like contractually obligated, but I'm telling you, I made the decision to go over there because it's just high end and it fits what I want to do. Not even from a, from a money standpoint or from a, like an exposure standpoint, I truly believe in what they're doing and the way Mitch and everybody is doing things around there. We all know, you know, discord and, and group chats, but this discord over at team riser fall is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's just all day, 365, 24, seven people, are sharing, you know, advice and tips and we're talking lineup construction mm. and we're sharing, you know, sample lines and see what we can do. So go to Team Riser Fall, tell them Beastie sent you. And again, I say this a lot, right? But my DMs are always open. If you could question, comment, concern, you just want to, you know, a shoulder to cry on or you need a little <laughs> yes. advice. Seriously, you can you can DM yeah. me. I'll give you my phone number. I mean, that's, that's the point yeah. of, of doing this whole thing. If well, I'm not cool. helping others... What's the point? Yeah. Or if you want a uh, podcast guest uh, with a day's notice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Legend. Uh, to be Absolutely. fair, I, I only need, I mean, a, a day, that's how I I book most of my gigs. That's like a, like a, you know, a, a day away. You know, the, the special thing would be if you messaged me this morning, you know, and, but realistically, boys, I need like five or 10 minute heads up. So if you're ever in Love a pinch it. and you need a guy, <laughs> I'll be that guy. That's awesome. Thanks, Heats, Chris. And for all of those uh, who want to get in touch with us at the TFL Podcast, make sure uh, you hit up our Patreon at the TFL Podcast. We have a website, thetflpodcast.com. If you're interested in jumping on DraftKings, uh, then use our code, uh, our, our link at dkng.co slash TFL. Uh, that would be great as well. You can find us Twitter 
and Facebook also. Uh, as well, win a stubby holder. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and uh, you can win one of our uh, great – what, what do you call them, Chris? Koozies? Koozies in America, I think, aren't they? Yeah, koozie, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're foam and they – Yeah, you know, keep my beer not, That's it. <laughs> that's it. Oh, you got koozies. Great. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So – Jump on board, five-star review, and uh, you're entered into that competition. That's it. All right, we're going to call it there. Chris, thank you once again. It's been great. Bye-bye.